Welcome to the Elevate Life podcast channel, a channel focused on helping you establish a biblical philosophy of life that will empower you to reach your full God-given potential. For more information about our church, visit elevate.life. Enjoy this episode. Hey, throw me a shaka. You're allowed to do this right now. Throw me a shaka, Elevate Life. Let's hang loose. I'm Josh. I'm one of the pastors here at Elevate Life. We're glad that you're here. And I want to invite you to stand on your feet. We like to start this part of the service by saying some things about us that God says about us. So we're not going to say the Pledge of Allegiance. Uh, the words are going to be on the screen. Say this with me. I declare that I'm created in the image of God. I am blessed to be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and take dominion. I declare that 2022 is my year of promise for me, my family, my finances, and my future. I declare according to 2 Corinthians 1.20, all the promises of God are in him are yes and in him, amen. Yes and amen. Today I open up my mind to receive the promises of God so I can think like God, be like God, and do life the way God intended for me to live. Now put your hands up. Say it with me. Come Holy Spirit. Help me elevate my thinking so I can elevate my life in Jesus' name. Amen. Give yourselves a big hand. Give God a big hand. You can be seated. So glad that you're here. So glad that you're watching online uh, in Iowa, Mississippi, and California. Casey, Wanda, and Kevin, y'all are amazing. Thanks for watching. And um, uh, I'm not just, I'm not pulling these socks off. I'm putting them on. You know what I'm saying? I mean, some of y'all are like, man, I'm not coming back to this church. That guy's wearing shorts. You know, Jesus wore pants. He wore pleated pants. He rocked khakis and a braided belt with a Tommy Bahama shirt. So I got half of that today. We like to have fun here. And, uh, you know. So uh, always, if you want to follow along with uh, the bouncing ball in service, we have notes that are available on our app or on Uversion. Uh, you, can, you can download those. Uh, we're talking about Hawaii today. Hawaii, to me, is one of my all-time favorite places that I've ever been to uh, and that I've ever known about. And uh, I want to give you a few cool and interesting facts about Hawaii. So first thing is, this is Iolani Palace on the island of Oahu. And Iolani Palace is the only royal palace in the United States of America. It was built in 1882 by the king of Hawaii. His name was David Kalakaua. And he, he, uh, it was the home of Hawaii's last reigning king and queen. Uh, Mauna Kea, this is Mauna Kea. This is the tallest mountain in the world. Hawaii is home to the tallest mountain in the world. And some of you are like, no, it's not. The tallest mountain in the world is Mount Everest. You're wrong. <laughs> Mount Everest is 29,032 feet. But, but Mount Everest is only the tallest mountain in the world if you don't measure from the base of the ocean. Mount Akea is 33,496 feet tall from the top of the mountain to the ocean floor. So Hawaii wins wherever Everest is at. I'm not talking about you today. Then Kilauea. This is Kilauea uh, on the Big Island. The Big Island grows by more than by 42 acres every year. Kilauea is the uh, has been actively erupting for the past 30 years and is the world's most active volcano. And then we have in Hawaii, we have Haleakala. This is on the island of Maui. This is the world's largest dormant volcano. This is actually a massive crater where, uh, where there was once a volcano. And uh, me and Courtney, one of the cool things you can do at Haleakala is you can wake up really early in the morning. And if you want to, you can hike up to the top of it 
you know, I'm not about that life. So you can ride a bus to the top. And so we rode a bus to the top and you can see the sunrise on top of Haleakala. And I know this looks like, this is probably a retouch picture because I didn't take it, but it is one of the most, I don't really, I'm not like one of those guys. It's like, oh, sunsets, oh, look at the clouds. I'm not that guy. But watching the sunrise in Haleakala is one of the coolest things that I ever got the privilege to do. And then you get to bike down and uh, there's nothing more fun than riding a bike downhill right? Don't have me ride a bike uphill. I will race downhill. That's what I'm about. So me and Courtney got to do that a few years ago. Here is us taking a very touristy picture. They have you stand on a curb and jump up in the air. So that's the curb is right below my toe there. My vertical is about <laughs> six and a half inches. And uh, my favorite, one of my favorite facts about Hawaii is in Kiane is uh, Auntie Sandy's banana bread. And Auntie Sandy's banana bread, if you've ever been on the road to Hana uh, in Maui, did you hopefully know about this? If you went on the road to Hana and you didn't get this banana bread, you missed out on the whole trip because Auntie Sandy's banana bread is the best banana bread in the whole world. And I'm not saying that as a tourist, I'm saying that as a person who's had your grandmother's banana bread and your mom's and everyone else's. There is nothing like Auntie, I don't even, I know this sounds like really silly, but I've never had banana bread like that my whole life. We brought it home, it was like half spoiled and hard. It still tasted amazing, it was unbelievable. <laughs> On Kiane too, they have this place that's right by the beach, it's like real rocky, it's volcanic, it's all volcanic rock. And uh, when Courtney and I were there, one of the things that they do, there's a guy that's right by the beach and he will sell you coconuts with coconut water in them for like $12. I was like, I'm not doing that, $12, I'll go get my own coconut. So <laughs> if you know anything about how me and Courtney do trips, I frequently, unintentionally abandoned my wife. And uh, you'll have to watch last week to figure out why I'm saying that. So Courtney can't find me for like two hours. She's like wondering, you know, we're, we're, this is like pretty much right at the start of the road to Hana almost. And uh, she's looking for me. She's like, where'd Josh go? So I was looking, I found a coconut and I was like, how hard could it be to open a coconut? Really hard is the answer to that question, especially when you're a tourist who doesn't have any form of knife or sharp object. So I find a coconut that's fully in the husk. I mean, it's not like a little, you know, not that you would assume like me that coconuts just fall off the tree and they're ready to go, but they don't, right? So there's all this stuff you gotta peel off. So for two hours, I was <laughs> banging this coconut on a rock, trying to get it open. My hands were bleeding. It was like a very intense experience. And then I opened the, and Courtney finds me and I opened the coconut. I thought she took pictures of it, but but she didn't because it was like a really great memory for me. I opened the coconut and uh, by the time I got it open, there was no coconut water left. So <laughs> we just got in the car and drove off, got that Vita cocoa, you know, same thing. Um, one, of the, one of the, for me, uh, Hawaii is just, like I said, it's one of my favorite places I've ever been in my life. I haven't been a lot. I don't go a lot, but when I go, it's like some of the best uh, I feel some of the best ways that I've ever felt. Like when you fly into Maui, I know it's not common for us to take pictures of airports, but uh, Maui, the airport, uh, Kahului Airport is open, like wide open to the outdoors. And it's funny, when I stand in baggage claim in the Maui airport, I'm like just, everything is just peaceful. It's like so chill, so relaxed. I'm just like breathing the air. I'm like, man, it's amazing that I'm here. I'm. I've never felt that at baggage claim anywhere else in my whole life. Uh, Hawaii for me is like a heaven on earth place. It's one of my places where, 
Pastor Keith talks a lot about Selah, and that's what we're going to talk about today in the Bible. But Hawaii for me is definitely one of my Selah places. Um, this is me uh, also in Hawaii. Um, uh, that's a rainbow eucalyptus tree. Now, I don't know a lot about trees, but if I had a favorite tree, it's a rainbow eucalyptus tree. Like, you can't really tell on this picture in the front. Um, but that's, that tree is like, it looks like you can Google rainbow eucalyptus tree and it looks like it's made out of Play-Doh. They're like the most colorful, amazing trees. They're not actually from Hawaii, they're from Central America, but I think they're from Central America. If not, whatever, I'm a pastor, not a whatever that is, botanist or tree guy, not an arborist. Uh, but I love, I love getting to go hug a rainbow eucalyptus tree. This is me, I don't know, this is me uh, on the road to Hana. There's all these cool places you can stop and jump in the water and swim. Courtney does none of that. I do all of that. So that's how this picture happened. She took a picture of me getting ready to swim in a pool that I wanted both of us to swim in. And uh, that was amazing. I just love getting to be there. And then we heard about, one of the times we were there, we heard about this amazing hike where you can get to the top of a mountain. You can see like all of the island of Maui. It's really impressive. This is us up there um, experiencing some fog like we did on our other mountain hike that they told us was also amazing. Um, I don't know why when we hike we just get to see the fog, but we got to see some really amazing fog in Hawaii. Again, that's an inside joke based on last week. You don't come to church, you don't get to participate in the joke. So <laughs> let's start off on a great foot. So... Um, so we're talking about Selah. I want to talk about this biblical word Selah. It's, it's in the Bible 74 different times, mostly in Psalms and then in the book of uh, Habakkuk. And um, this is a word that biblical scholars today, they don't know what this word actually means. It's a Hebrew word. It's a documented word. Nobody, nobody knows what it, what it means. And uh, so these are some definitions that people have come up with that are like different maybe approaches to what Selah is. So, so some scholars say it's to weigh in the balance, to rest, to pause and calmly think, to lift up and exalt God, uh, to look up to heaven, to consider eternity. Some people say that Selah uh, means forever. Some people say Selah is kind of like an amen uh, in Hebrew, that it means it is so. And um, so, uh, Selah is used often in the book of Psalms to denote uh, a lot of the reason why they say pause and reflect is because because the Psalms were originally kind of written as songs, as David's version of, of songs. And so a lot of people say that Selah is kind of like this rest period in a song where you pause and reflect or you take a breath. And um, so that's most of what the connotation of this word is. But I want to talk about us finding our Selah because it's an interesting thought to me that we don't really know specifically what this word means. There's not a lot of biblical words that haven't been studied to death where everybody knows what they means, what knows what they mean. But uh, one of the one of the thoughts that uh, one of the things that this made me think whenever I was reading about Selah is maybe we get to define that for ourselves. Like, what does it mean to pause and reflect? What does it mean for you to rest? You see, all of us rest like a little bit differently. We have a different approach to rest as people. If, if this word is a musical notation that means rest, let's say it means that, then uh, what would that mean for us to rest? And I think it's really interesting that God gives us this word that is kind of, you can define maybe what that means. So what does it mean to pause and calmly think in our life? Each one of us have maybe a different approach to that. Um, what does it mean for us to look up to heaven? That's different for each one of us, but sail is often the last thing that we do. Um, most of us, 
especially in the environment that we're in in the tribe of Elevate Life Church, we hardly ever take time to weigh things, to rest, to pause, or to calmly think. Most of us, we wake up in the morning, we turn the TV on, we turn something on, we hear noise all day, we're in meetings, we're doing this, we're doing that. We get in the car, we turn music on, we get home, we lay in bed, we, watch, we turn Instagram on, we watch Netflix, then we fall asleep. Our life is just filled with noise. Our life is filled with a lack of calm thinking and, uh, and rest. And so uh, in Scripture, in the book of Genesis, the Bible talks about these seven days of creation. The Bible says that on the seventh day, God rested. A literal day of creation is God not doing anything. And most of us, we have seven days a week. And, you know, maybe if you work for somebody, you have a day off every week. But most people that I know that run their own businesses or run their own offices, they don't ever take a day off. They don't ever take a moment off. It's three in the morning. They're texting people. They're calling them. They never shut it down. Uh, and they say, so they think that that's, that, that's, that how, that's how it is to run your own business. And that's what it's like. That's what you got to do. And there's people that work for people too, that they're available 24 seven. They feel like if they don't answer an email at 11 o'clock at night, their boss is going to fire them. Uh, regardless to any of that, I want to invite you into this idea of, of what it, what it means to rest. Cause you have a lot of, here's one thing we can kind of admit today is that we have a lot of reasons not to rest. We have a lot of reasons not to take it easy. We have a lot of reasons not to be calm. Inflation's 9.1%. Oh my gosh, maybe if we worry about it enough, it'll change, right? Maybe if we talk about it some more, like it'll, oh my gosh, it's so hot outside. The more we talk about it, the cooler it's gonna get. I think that's what a lot of us believe. It's like, wow, I feel so unrested. What I should do is work harder and then I'll be forced to rest because I'll break myself. That's a genius idea. That's what a lot of people seem to do. In Jewish culture, we know this. There's the concept of the Sabbath. On Saturday, for a lot of Jews, it's called Shabbat. It's a day, the Sabbath means to cease from labors. So, so it's a day where Jews aren't allowed to work, according to God. God would not allow them to work. They weren't allowed to start fires. They weren't allowed to load up their oxen. They weren't allowed to do all kinds of stuff. To, to today, to fast forward to today, a lot of us have a Sabbath mode on our ovens. That's why we have a Sabbath mode, because Jews aren't allowed to make food on the Sabbath. Uh, in, in Israel, and in a lot of Jewish neighborhoods, they have automatic timers on their lights because practicing Jews aren't allowed to turn light switches on and off because that represents work in Jewish culture. And so in Jewish culture, you are required, if you believe, if you practice as a Jew, you're required to have a Sabbath day. The Bible says to, to keep the Sabbath holy. The word holy in scripture means set apart to God. It doesn't mean like read the Bible all the way through on the Sabbath. It means set apart a day for me, set apart a day for rest. And so if God rested, we should give ourselves uh, permission to rest. So the question that I have for you is when was the last time that you rested? And I don't mean when was the last time you had a day off, because a lot of people have a day off and then they do all the work they didn't do on the, during the week on their day off. So when was the last time you really rested? Think about that in your mind. Not like, hey, when did you go on vacation last? Vacations aren't always restful either. I'm realizing that with my children. It's like, wow, this is a lot of work. I wish we were at home right now. <laughs> when was the last time you experienced Selah? Like, when was the last time you really had, we really had time to pause and reflect and think and consider things and look up to heaven and give, give God some of your time? What I want to talk about today, just with the time that we have, is how to find Selah. How do we find that? What's the first thing, if you think about it this way, what's the first thing we do when we rest? Usually the first thing that we do is we take a deep breath. Right? Like we sit down, we get home, 
You know, it's like, oh, take a deep breath. I'm like a deep breather guy. People always think I got a problem because I'm like deep sighing all the time. No, it's like, that's how I rest. I'm like sitting, I'm like, you know, it's just how I breathe. Uh, Maybe I'm just exhausted all the time. I don't know. I don't feel that way. I feel like my life's pretty good. But the first thing we do when we rest, like if you work out, right? If you work out and you have like a really hard set or you're running really hard, the first thing you do when you enter like a rest period when you're working out is you take a deep breath. So the first thing that we should do if we're going to find our sailor, if we're going to find what it means for us to rest, for us to like cease from labors, for us to pause and reflect, for us to think, then what we should do is we should understand how to take a deep breath. And I don't mean just how to take a deep breath physically, although that's important, but also what does it mean to breathe? In Genesis chapter 2, the Bible tells us that God formed us from the dust of the ground and he breathed the breath of life into us. So one of the things that we say in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, the Bible says that we're created in God's image and according to his likeness. You know, your physical body is not the image of God. Your physical body is born and it dies. It withers away. It becomes nothing. The thing that's created in the image of God within you is eternal. It's not your mind, your will, and your emotions. It's not your soul. Your soul's, your soul's temporal as well. What's eternal is your spirit. So you could tell me where your body is physically. You can say, hey, like, Physically, my face is currently here. I know where my arms are. I know where my legs are. I know where my heart is within my body to an extent. I know where my brain is. What you can't tell me is where your emotions are, right? So like if you feel angry, what part of your body does that come from? Now, if you're into some kind of weird crystal healing thing, you probably can. Then I should press it like on my forehead or my temple. That's not what I'm talking about. We don't really know where people's mind is. You can say kind of in the brain, but the brain's like a big piece of fat that just sits inside your head. So it's hard for us to to understand that like this thing reasons, that this thing thinks thoughts. Like when you store thoughts, when you store memories in your mind, where where are they stored? Do you have a filing cabinet inside your body somewhere that you pull up? Uh, memories of your past? No, that's a really interesting thought of like where the, where the soul is. The spirit is something different, entirely different than these two things. Our spirit is like our animating force. It's the thing that makes you you. It's the unique distinctive that you have that makes you not an animal, that makes you different from any other person that ever has been born or ever will be born. So when the Bible talks about how God breathed the breath of life into us, the Greek word for that is pneuma, that there's an animating force that drives us. The thing that's created in the image of God is the thing that's the most inside of us. It's called our spirit. And that's the thing that causes us to uh, act within our body. It's our, it's our agency. That's the thing that causes us to control our mind, our will, and, and emotions in certain ways. And God created that for a specific reason. And so when the Bible talks about rest, rest is not just about resting your emotions. Rest is not just about resting your physical body. If God rested, then our spirit should, should be rested as well. And so uh, in Psalms chapter 39, verse five, this is what David says. He says, behold, you have made my days a few hand breaths and my lifetime is as nothing before you. Surely all mankind stands as mere breath, Selah. So pause and reflect on that. James chapter four, the Bible tells us that our life is just a vapor. Our life is morning fog. It's here a little bit and then it's gone. In Hawaii, they have this really interesting uh, ancient way of greeting each other. It's called the ha, it's called exchanging ha. Ha in Hawaiian means breath, means the breath of life. So when Hawaiians, they, they still do this to this day, but especially during the kingdom of Hawaii, when Hawaiians would greet each other, they would exchange ha, they would put their foreheads together just like this picture, and they would both take a breath in. 
It's a Hawaiian greeting that welcomes, it's, it's meant to welcome a person into your space by sharing the breath of life. The breath of life in Hawaiian culture was sacred to their culture. And ancient Hawaiians recognized that their breath was the key to good health and believed it possessed what they called mana, which is spiritual power. Now that might be a little bit woo-woo for you, but that's literally the same thing we believe as Christians, is that our breath, the breath that God breathed within us represents the spirit that we have. It represents the spirit that we carry everywhere that we go. In fact, in, in ancient Hawaii, before an elderly person would pass away, they would, they would pass down their like eternal wisdom by exchanging ha with everybody in their family. And, and that would represent like a spiritual transference. Now we don't necessarily believe that, but it's really interesting to me this concept of ha that exists in Hawaii, how, how important breathing is. When I, one time I was in Hawaii and I got the chance to speak at a church and one of the things that the pastor did was we exchanged, it was like this really cool moment I didn't anticipate. We exchanged ha before I got up on stage to preach and it was like this huge moment for the church uh, because if you're not from Hawaii, you're called a haole. And a haole, the word haole means uh, without breath because the first time that people that were not Hawaiians showed up in Hawaii, they didn't go to like <laughs> exchange breath with you. They went to shake your hand. So they started calling uh, mainlanders or whatever, they started calling them haoles. So ha is a part of a lot of words in Hawaiian culture. The reason why aloha means hello and goodbye is because alo means face and ha is the breath of life. So when you say aloha, what you're saying is we're exchanging life together. So when you say aloha, you're welcoming someone into your space with their spirit, with their breath of life. And when you say aloha, when they leave, you're kind of like blessing them out from the space that you have. Now that's not because today we're gonna like all do that and be weird, although that'd be cool for you to do. Uh, so you needed a mint before you got here today. But in the Bible and in Hawaiian culture, your breath represents your life. Most of us go through life and we don't ever consider how we breathe. We treat breath just as respiration. We act like our breath is an automatic thing, like breathing is just automatic, like your heart beating. Now I don't know about you, maybe you have some kind of crazy level of physical control that you can control how fast your heart beats just by thinking about it. Our breath doesn't work like our heart. At any point you can decide the quality of your breathing. And breathing has been proven, like breathing intentionally has been proven to lower blood pressure, improve, improve your heart rate, your stress response, and even the state of your brain. And most of us go through life and we don't ever think about how we breathe. Science is actually beginning to tell us now that that practicing intentional breathing, it's called breath work. Practicing intentional breathing for five minutes a day can add up to seven years to your life. So what I want you to do is I just want you to take a deep breath just really quick, just like, just breathe out. One of the things I want us to practice today before we move on is I want, I want us to practice some intentional breathing together. Now, um, there's a lot of different ways you can do that. A lot of people practice meditation and people that are, uh, uninformed Christians say that meditation isn't biblical because they don't read the Bible. The Bible talks about meditating on God's word day and night. Meditation's in scripture. And so one of the things I do is like I, I try to be intentional about meditating. And one of the things that you do is you focus. So I'll focus on uh, breathing in and breathing out and just counting my breaths. Like I'll count my breaths in and I'll count my breath out. Like one, one is a breath in, two is a breath out. Um, another thing that I practice that uh, Navy SEALs do and a lot of, a lot of breath work people do is they do it's called box breathing. And uh, box breathing is something we're gonna practice here in just a second. 
where you breathe basically in a box and we'll watch a video where it, where it goes through a box with us and then watch how you feel the first time you excel. So get ready to uh, control your breathing for a second. Let's watch this video. You feel different? Yeah. It's not like a see, it's not like a clap feeling, it's a relaxed feeling. That's how easy it is to get in control of your breathing. In like a one-minute period. Um, you have a little thing at the base of your brain, it's called an amygdala, which controls your fight or flight response. Anytime you feel anxiety or fear or worry, you can actually practice box breathing and it puts you back in control of your amygdala. And um, another breathing exercise, if you want to teach your kids, is you breathe in like you're smelling a flower and breathe out like you're blowing a leaf. The reason why not bringing a mouth breather is important is not so you're not a weirdo. The reason why not bringing a mouth breather is important, uh, one of the things Pastor Keith showed me recently is um, that when you breathe in through your nose, your body actually exchanges uh, nitric oxide and nitrogen and all of that, when you breathe through your mouth, your body doesn't work that way. It's really interesting that scripture says that God breathed the breath of life into our nostrils. And um, so in your life, the first thing to do if you wanna rest is practice intentional breathing. Don't just respirate. Be a person that says, okay, I'm gonna breathe intentionally. I'm gonna breathe through things. There's a reason why when you're having a kid, they teach you to breathe through it. There's a reason why when things are hard, they teach, you to, they teach you to breathe, all of that different stuff. So one of the, the first way we can start to find Selah is just to be intentional about our breath. The second thing we can do is we can stop grinding and start gracing. One of the things that we talk about here at Elevate Life Church, if you're new, is that we should not grind, we should grace. One of the ways to define grace in scripture is grace is the power of God to do things God's way. And... Um, most of us, like if you run your own business, there's really like, it's really easy to get trapped into grind culture. 
and like, hey, I should work seven, I should work seven days a week, and if I work one more day, then I'm gonna close one more client, I'm gonna make all this stuff happen. That's not what God wants. Culture will, will take us all kinds of different directions. And we can think that in some way, like that, that that's good, but that's not God's way. God is a God that wants us to be balanced. God is a God that wants us to be rested. Again, if God took a Sabbath, if God himself on the seventh day he rested, if the Jews are, were required to take a Sabbath, you should take a day off and you should be okay with taking a day off. If your business would fail, if you didn't work seven days a week, your business has already failed right? Because you have no balance in your life. Your life is going to fall apart at some point. It's just a matter of time if you're, if you're grinding and not gracing. No one that grinds has everything put together. What God, what God wants us to do is he wants us to have a holistic life where our families are great, our marriages are great, our money's great, we're prospering, we're winning. And there's a way, there's a practical way that God shows us how to do that. When we're rested, we're better. If you grind, if you grind 24-7, everyone that can tell you that lives in grind culture is like, you'll probably lose your family over that. You'll probably lose your marriage over that. Yeah, you'll make some money, but you won't enjoy it all that much because you're never gonna stop grinding. People that grind, the way that they live is they're like, one day I'll be able to enjoy all of this. And they grind themselves right into all kinds of health issues. They grind themselves right into all kinds of life issues. They grind themselves right out of friendships and relationships that are beneficial to them, that could really help them enjoy life. And they spend 20, 30, 40 years of their life not enjoying their life, hoping that they can get to the point where they can finally enjoy their life. You know what the Bible tells us is that all we have is today. Jesus says, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow, will work. tomorrow has enough troubles, just worry about today. I love the thought, you know, I know it's a really cliche thing, but the reason why we call it the present is because it's a gift. So when we start gracing, we just take every day as that day. You know, we've, we've, we've been, you know, as a church, we're always like making changes and going through stuff and, you know, not negative things. It's just there's always work to do. Um, one of the unique wrinkles of our church right now is that we have a lot of kind of new leaders in the room. We have a lot of momentum and great things that are happening in this church. But there's a lot of uh, people that we're not replacing. There's a lot of things that are happening internally on staff that have the potential to create a lot more work for me. And so Pastor Keith and I were talking because I lead our staff day to day. So Pastor Keith and I were talking about, he's like, man, are you good? Are you gonna be able to handle all this? I'm like, you know, first of all, like I didn't, you know, Jesus started the church. So this is a God thing. It's not a me thing. I'm privileged to be a part. You know, if I died today, this church would go forward. This church is not gonna shut down because I didn't show up. Like this church would go forward with or without me. So I'm privileged to be a part of God's thing. I'm not trying to make God a part of my thing, which is what a lot of people do, by the way. They're not a part of God's thing. They just need God to be a part of their thing. Like, God, I need you to bless my business. God, I need you to bless my family. And I feel like God's like, hey, are you gonna do anything my way? Oh no, I'm not gonna do anything your way. I need you to do everything my way. Because God, it's not your plan for my life. It's my plan for my life, right? So the first thing that I know is that this is a God thing, not a me thing. And that that's not about working at a church. That's just about kingdom. If you're doing life the kingdom way, if you're pursuing God's way for your life, then you know it's not about you. It's not about you doing one more bit of work. It's not about you making it happen because you're doing it God's way. Well, the second thing I know is I know how hard I work and I know I have a consistent rhythm in my life. I'm not gonna work one more hour than I'm working right now. I'm not gonna do any more stuff than I'm currently doing. There's seasons that are busy. There's seasons that are hard. There's seasons that are easy. 
but I have at least at this point in my life, I have a workable, consistent rhythm where I'm able to do what I do at the church. I'm able to be with my wife. I'm able to be with my kids. I'm able to do what I do and not have any one of those be messed up in my life because I'm gracing, not grinding. No one tells you when you get married, grind for your marriage. Grind your marriage. It's a bad idea. When you have kids, it's not grinding your kids. Like for some reason now, like grinding is like a really great thing. When things grind, they kind of like break and fall apart. It's part of what grinding is, is it like kind of destroys something. So we don't need to grind for anything. We need to grace for things. Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 11. Now, now this is about God's plan for our life, not culture's plan for our life. Jesus says, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. God cares about your rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. There are very few people that have, that have like soul rest, that they're rested in their emotions, that they're mentally rested. You can be physically rested and be like mentally a mess. You can be physically rested and be an emotional basket case of a person. Jesus says, I wanna give you rest in your very soul. Like I want your emotions to be healthy. I want your mind to be healthy. That's, that, that means that we have to get to this place where we start to do things God's way in our life. When the Bible, when Jesus talks about a yoke, he doesn't say you're not gonna carry anything and I'm gonna carry it all for you. This isn't footprints in the sand. Footprints in the sand is a really great idea, but God's not gonna carry you any bit of the way. You're gonna have to carry yourself. Now the great thing is, is that God makes it easy for you to carry the things that you carry. Because you can put your weight, the Bible says, to cast our cares upon him. But a yoke in, in, in that time, some of you have heard of a farmer's yoke. A farmer's yoke is this, basically a beam you put along the, your, your shoulders and you attach things that are heavy to it. What Jesus says is not that you're not going to carry weight. It's just that the weight that you carry is carryable. You're not going to find yourself on a journey falling apart because this is too heavy for me to carry. And how many of us at different times in our life have found ourselves in places where we're like, man, this is too heavy. I just can't carry this anymore. That's because we're taking on whatever yoke we feel like we should have to take on, not taking on Jesus's yoke in our life. And here's the thing. It's not about me telling you what you need to adjust. Jesus wants you to rest. God wants you to rest. As soon as you decide, hey, God, I want your help to rest, he'll like kind of reveal that to you in terms of what you maybe need to let go of. But you probably already know that. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 4, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Then God will tell God what you need and thank him for what he's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and mind, minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So the first thing you got to lay down is how worried you are. Most of us don't do that, right? Got to tell Biden in the office, dear God, what are we going to do? Have to take up arms and fight for Texas. Inflation, like I said earlier, maybe if we worry about it enough, it'll fix it. Maybe if I just, maybe if I just increase my anxiety to a level 100, then like the world will change. That never happens. It never works. The Bible literally tells you not to worry about anything. So the first thing to do to take on the yoke of Jesus is quit worrying about stuff, right? Instead, here's the, here's the answer. It's not, hey, don't worry, be happy. It's not Bobby McFerrin. It's not, it's not Jamaica weekend, it's Hawaii weekend, so we didn't play that song. Two different islands. 
It says, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. So, so in life, when we find ourselves worried, when we find ourselves anxious, we can take deep, breath, deep breaths and grace, not grind. When you grace, not grind, you become a person that you're just talking with God about it and letting God handle things you can't handle. And you move on. To let God handle things you can't handle means you, don't, you try your best not to give it another thought. What a lot of people do is they're like, God, I'm gonna let you handle this person, but I'm gonna talk about him and think about him every day, 24 seven. And I can't wait till you bring your judgment upon them. That's not really letting God handle it. <laughs> God, I need you to worry about my business, but I'm gonna work 18 hours a day. Okay, it sounds like you're worrying about your business a lot. And th th there are certainly busy seasons in our life. I'm not saying, hey, just put your eight hours in and go home. The 40-hour work week was invented by Karl Marx, so we really shouldn't worry about how many hours we work. We should just make happen what we make happen. We should be the kind of people, though, that we grace, we don't grind. Psalm 68 says this. It says, blessed be the Lord who daily bears us up. God is our salvation, Selah. That means is God daily strengthens you. You can't fix tomorrow. Like I said, you can't, you can't worry enough about inflation to make sure inflation doesn't happen in the month of whatever month we're tracking right now. I don't know, July, whatever. God daily bears you up. Me, me and Garrett talked about this a few weeks ago. He gives us the strength for today. So it's about just handling today. I love what Teddy Roosevelt said. He said, do what, do what you can do with what you have, where you are. And then I add a little thing on the end of it for me. And it's let God worry about the rest. There's so many people that are worried about dying, right? If it's your time to go, there's one thing you could do about it. And if you're dead, you don't care anyway, you're dead. <laughs> what am I going to do if I die? Well, you'll be dead. It won't matter to you. It matter to everybody else now. I know that's like maybe a morbid thought to think. But be the kind of person that's like, hey, I'm just going to take today as today. And whatever the day is, is what the day is. And then go to the next day. And let God worry about tomorrow. God's already worrying about it. And if you believe that God has a great plan for your life, which is what the book of Romans says in Romans chapter 8, verse 28, God causes all things to work together for our good, then what that means is you don't have to worry about tomorrow at all because it's going to work out for your good. So the way to grace and not grind is to quit worrying. I'm going to talk about this on... on uh, on Tuesday with our staff, because one of the things we do is we really talk about rest a lot, but we have a small staff. So a lot of people feel like that they're, that they're, they're so necessary that they can't take days off that work, that work here, that work at Elevate Life Church. In our staff handbook last year, we had to add a part in our handbook that says you are required every year to take at least seven consecutive days off because people didn't take time off. What, what is it, what's going to happen if I don't show up to work? What's going to happen if I don't answer this email? What's going to happen if I don't call this person back? We've been doing this for 22 years. We were doing it before you got here. We'll be doing it after you leave. No one's that important. That's what I say to our team. No one's that important, me included. You're not that important at your job. I mean, you're important, but it doesn't all depend on you. And if it does, you're going to burn out anyway, so you might as well go ahead and start resting. And people got all kinds of excuses about why they don't rest and why they grind and don't grace. Um, but that's more about us than it is about anybody else. Because we, we look at, well, what's going to happen? What's, we worry about if we rest, we worry about what would happen if we rested. That's not resting either. Just rest. Chill out. God rested and the world was fine. So 
If he can do it, you give yourself permission. So, um, so then the third thing, the last thing is, the way to find Selah is to experience your heaven on earth. Now, most of us know what our hell on earth is. I know what I don't like. Like, I know I'm never going to go eat certain foods. Like, I won't say the foods that I won't eat because I might offend some people, but I will say salad's on the list. <laughs> like, not like I'll eat a salad with ranch or like blue cheese, like a wedge, but that's like the unhealthiest version of a salad you can get. I'm not doing this vinaigrette stuff, you know. It's like sometimes I go to restaurants and I know, here's how I know I'm never going to go back to a restaurant when they don't have ranch dressing. 100%. 100%. We don't have ranch. We have an aioli. What, is, what are you talking about? This is America. It's, we have ranch dressing here. It's, the, it's in the Constitution. <laughs> here's what's guaranteed. Here's a right that I feel like is guaranteed to me according to the Constitution. Ranch and peanut butter. Those are two things that at any point in life, I could get these things wherever I go. This is America, for goodness sake. So, not to disparage whatever foods you're gonna go enjoy today, but I will be going to eat somewhere at a place that has ranch. <laughs> so most of us know what our hell on earth is. Like, like when we, when we, when we uh, you know, a lot of times, I don't know if you're one of these people, I know I am. Whenever I, people are like, hey, what rest, where, where do you wanna go eat? I'm like, well, I know all the places I don't wanna go eat. Somewhere has to have ranch. I know I don't want to go to somewhere that has aioli and not ranch. I know that I don't want to go like to, uh, I, <laughs> there's this restaurant called The Chop Shop. I didn't know before, it sounded like a cool like burger place. I didn't know before I went there, it was like only salads and healthy stuff. <laughs> so I had people invite me, hey, let's go to lunch at The Chop Shop. I'm like, oh, that sounds cool. I wonder what kind of cheese fries they have. No, <laughs> it's only salad. It's a trick. They're trying to trick you. <laughs> Snappy salads, you already know what that's about. Salada, that's just a play on the word salad, not enchilada. <laughs> I mean, they try to trick us into there, and then you're there, and you're like, well, I guess I have to eat it now. Give me some ranch. <laughs> so very few, you know, we know what we don't like. Very few of us decide what we do like. So here's what, here's what science tells us. This is why we should value rest and give ourselves permission to rest. Science tells us that our brain builds up toxins and the only way to flush our brain toxins is to sleep. Some of us get really bad sleep and we don't value sleep. We're like, I can, I can get through on two hours a night. It's like, yeah, you can. You're gonna die at 60, but that's fine because you're not gonna be able to flush the toxins in your brain. You're not built to not sleep. Our brain is less functional when we're tired. We know that. So rest as we also know, is what causes our physical bodies to be healed when we're hurt. If you went out today and twisted your ankle, you're not gonna go run a marathon the next day. I mean, you could try to do that, it's only gonna make it worse. So what we do is we go through life and we feel a bit tired, we feel a little bit not rested, and we just keep pushing harder, thinking that it's just gonna end up, everything's gonna end up clicking. There's certain times where you should value your rest. And there's times where you should say, hey, I'm gonna rest because I'm not feeling 100% right now. So one of the things that you can do is you can define what gives you rest. I want you to ask yourself these questions. And this is how you can know what your heaven on earth is. Because we know what our hell on earth is, right? Whatever. We should say, hey, what, what causes me? If, if the moment that I live in right now is the present, if that matters, 
if it matters that I'm mindful and that I'm present right now in my life, I should know what I really enjoy and the moments that I really enjoy in life. And I should pursue those things, especially on days when I'm resting. So what causes you to enjoy life? What makes you happy? Now, I know a lot of people, and I'm one of them, will tell you, hey, God, God didn't die. Jesus didn't die on the cross so you could be happy. And that's, that's like kind of true. But God also wants you to enjoy your life, and it's okay to be happy. Like, it's not like, hey, don't be happy because happy's a sin. That's not, that's not true. Happy's great. Being happy is wonderful. We all want to be around happy people. Then what, what helps you relax? What is it that, man, like when I do this, I just feel so relaxed? What gives you rest? And what recharges you? You know, so I'll tell you some of mine. So for me, number one thing for me is being able to be with Courtney and my family. It's so fun being with Charlie and Harper right now. Charlie's four. I'm like her best friend. Everything she wants to do, she wants to do with me. She loves me so much. She wants to show me everything. She wants to lay all over me like I'm physical touch. So it's just the most beautiful thing to be with my family right now, right? That, that, that's my heaven on earth. So when I'm present in a moment with my kids, I know like I'm experiencing my heaven on earth. When I'm with my family of choice, when I'm in an environment like this, especially for me when I show up to Mighty Men on Saturday mornings, um, I love to be in that room, not because we're all taking naps. I mean, we start by doing push-ups, right? So we don't do a lot of them. So if you're you know, thinking about not coming to Mighty Men now, you should come. But I love being able to be in a room with, with people that want God like I want God. I love being able to be in a room that's an encouraging room. You know, most of us, we go through life, you're going to go to a restaurant today. It might be an encouraging atmosphere. It might not. One of the things I know when I show up at this church every weekend is that I'm going to feel encouraged by the time I leave today. I'm going to be surrounded by great people. I love being in environments where there's people that are serving. Like what other place... What other place can we go where all the people that are serving and loving just are here because they love you? There ain't nowhere you could go where someone's going to do something for you just because they love you. Even if you're the king, that's not how they are with kings. They're like, you better serve that dude. He's going to cut your head off. <laughs> but there's people right now that are serving your kids in kiss ministry because they love your kids and they want them to have a great experience today. I love being in environments like that where people are that great. And I get to be surrounded by people that are that great. I love cars. I love looking at cars. I love driving cars. I love talking about cars. Mitch Edlin knows a whole lot about cars. Like he can tell you about engines and stuff like that. I just think cars are like one of the best modern art forms that exists in the world. I ask Mitch all kinds of questions because he knows about suspensions and carburetors and whatever else that they got in them. Uh, <laughs> catalytic converters and whatever. Um, but I just, love, I just love getting to see cars. I love being in cars. I love video games a lot. Not because I'm juvenile, although I, I really kind of am. But I love video games because it's just a part of my heaven on earth. It's a part of my rest. When me and Courtney first got married, like I, would, I don't really do this as much anymore because my rest looks a little different with kids. And, uh, but when I, when I first got married, me and Courtney had gotten home from our honeymoon, and I just had this rhythm of every day I would work. I would come home from work. And I just kind of like eat dinner, whatever. And then I'd play video games basically until I went to sleep. Now, that's not a good idea. It's pretty irresponsible as a grown man to do that. But that's what I did. So uh, one night, Courtney comes downstairs at 3 in the morning. She's like, hey, are you going to go to bed? I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just in the middle of whatever I was in the middle of. You know, making some trade on 2K or something. And, uh, and so um, she's like, well, it'd be really nice if we could like go to sleep together. Like watch a, watch a movie or something together. I'm like, oh, yeah, like. I'm married now. <laughs> so there's a, 
this, all I'm saying is there's a double-edged sword to that, but I'll never stop playing video games. It's not a childish pursuit of mine. It's something that I love that, that is part of my heaven on earth. I love movies. I love watching all kinds of movies. I love karate films. I love action movies. Uh, I, don't, I don't necessarily like, like art house films, but I like movies. I love traveling. I love getting to go places like Hawaii. I love food so much. It's heard me diatribe and rant and rave about ranch dressing. Uh, I don't eat ranch every day, you know, just on the days that end and why. So, <laughs> so one of the things for me about food, I remember the first time I went to Franklin Barbecue in Austin, like these memories for me are like poignant. First time I went to Franklin Barbecue in Austin. If you don't know about Franklin Barbecue, you're not from Texas or you're not a real Texan, 100%. So Franklin Barbecue is a restaurant in Austin, for those of you who are unaware. And Aaron Franklin, who started Franklin Barbecue, is the first person ever to win a James Beard Award for uh, barbecue. If you don't know what a James Beard Award is, you don't love food like I love food, and that's okay. You find your heaven on earth. So I was at, I was at Franklin Barbecue. I remember it to this day. I was at Franklin Barbecue, and I'm sitting there, and we get brisket, and I'm thinking in my mind, I've had a lot of brisket in my life, and uh, I'm not like Mr. Discerning Food Guy, but this guy won a James Beard Award for brisket. So how good could it really be, though? I mean, you're telling me that this brisket is this much better than every other brisket. This guy wins the all-time, like, highest, the Oscars of Culinary Awards. So I'm eating this brisket. I go to take my first bite, and I told Courtney, I go, I got to stop. I was like, man... She goes, what? I was like, I just need to pray right now. <laughs> She's like, what are you doing? I was like, I'm just so, I'm so grateful to God <laughs> that he put me on the earth. And in this time, I can enjoy this because this is the best thing, the best thing I've ever tasted in my whole life up to this point. And Courtney was like, you're being ridiculous. I was like, I'm telling you straight up. This is the, like eating the bark on the, I mean, it's, it's just a perfect experience. I love food so much, it's my heaven on earth, right? I had to stop and thank God that he gave me a tongue that I could taste that. <laughs> I love, I love the last thing I'll tell you that I love. I love no obligations. I love not being obligated to do anything. That's why I love Hawaii, because you're going to get there whenever you get there, and whatever happens is going to happen. You don't have to have much of a plan. You just kind of do whatever you want to do. That's, that's what I love. I love not being obligated to do anything. So what is it for you that, that makes you feel that feeling, that makes you feel that feeling of rest and relaxation? Benjamin Franklin said this, he that can take rest is greater than he, can, he that can take cities. If you can rest well, you put yourself in a position that God wants you to be in. The reason why knowing your heaven on earth is so important is because when we know our heaven on earth, we can pause, we can sailor in good times and acknowledge the gift of the moment, right? Since I know my heaven on earth is, uh, since I know my heaven on earth is, food, is food, one of the things I can do when I eat good ranch, I go, man, this is a good ranch right here. I went to a restaurant the other day, I won't name them, but they said, here's what they said. We have Hidden Valley Ranch here. I was like, oh, okay, so y'all got bad ranch, you just wanna advertise it? Who wants Hidden Valley Ranch? Hidden Valley Ranch is the grocery store ranch that you gotta get because you can't get the restaurant ranch. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, you don't know ranch like I know ranch. <laughs> so when I, when I, this is silly, this is me though, heaven on earth. When I taste good ranch, I'm like, oh man, yes, they hit it, they got it. Whatever the mixture is, it's right. Because then when I have bad ranch, 
I can sailor in the bad times. <laughs> and remember that bad moments don't last forever. We can do that in life. When you know, when you know what your sailor is, when you know what it is that like your best moments in your life and you're living them every day, like you're heaven on earth, then you can, in the midst of maybe a hell on earth moment for you, you can stop and go, man, like, I know this isn't gonna last forever. I know this isn't all there is for me because God's got a great plan for my life. And I know that one day I'm gonna be back in my heaven on earth. Trust in him at all times, O people, David says. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Psalm 61 Oh, that's the, that's the verse that they had. Another, another one says in Psalm 61, I love what David says. The Bible talks about God being a refuge. It says, for you have been my refuge, a strong tower against the enemy. Let me dwell in your tent forever and let me take refuge under the shelter of your wings. When we know our heaven on earth, we live like in this, in this time of refuge in our life. Where no matter what's going, like when you're in a refuge, like when you're in a refuge place, no matter what's happening outside, no matter what the storm is that's going on around you, you're in a place of peace because you have refuge. You're safe. When we know our heaven on earth, no matter what's happening, we can experience our heaven on earth. No matter what's happening in my life, no matter what I feel like that's outside of my control, when I'm with Courtney, I can be like, man, this is just so great that, I have, that I'm married to this person, that I get to do life with them. I can be with my kids and think, man, I'm so grateful that God gave me these kids that I have in my life. I can look at ranch dressing man, this is beautiful. I remember that one time I was at Scotty P's and everything just was right. I can think about brisket go, man, like I'm sitting here going, man, like I wish I could go back to Franklin today. I might. <laughs> uh, when we go through life, we can hold on to, and, and things aren't happening the way we want. When we know our heaven on earth and when we pursue living in that zone, then what we can do is when we go through difficult times, we can focus on the fact that God wants us to live in our heaven on earth. And when we know it, what's, more, what's even more important than that is when you know it and you're living in it, you can realize it. Like so many people, right, they say things like, well, you know, you don't know the, the good times until they're over, or whatever the saying is. I don't even wanna know it because I don't wanna live according to that. Like you, you don't know the good old days until they're over. I want, I want every day to be the best day that I can have, right? And... I know this is like a really different kind of way to approach things because we're like a grind culture in America. And you know, a lot of times it's like, hey, fight for your promise. And that's true. But also one of the things that I love that Pastor Keith says is he talks about resting in the press. That we're gonna press. Let's do our best. Let's give life everything we have to give. But let's not do that so much where we think it's all about us. It's 100% me. I have to go make all of this happen. It's not you. It's you and God. God, can, God wants to. He does take care of the things that you can't take care of. God wants you to be rested. That's what scripture says. God wants you to do things that you enjoy. God wants you to be a person that you enjoy your life and you enjoy every day of your life. Not just like, man, I went on vacation that one time and that was the best day of my life and everything's been hell ever since. That's not the kind of life God wants us to live. But we've gotta be the people that decide, man, I'm gonna take deep breaths. I'm gonna be intentional about understanding that I have the breath of life inside of my lungs. That God's put me on the earth for a purpose and he's put me on the earth for a reason. I'm gonna be a person who's intentional about grace, not grind. That like, God, I, I just wanna partner with you and I'm not gonna worry about stuff. I'm gonna, I'm gonna let you take care about things. 
take care of things. And then I'm going to be a person that I just live my heaven on earth. Every day that I get to have with my family, every day that I get to have with my family of choice, every day that I get to eat ranch dressing is the best day of my life. But that starts with us really deciding to do life with God, not do life with us. And this isn't about when you, if you're a CEO of a company or you're a business person, this isn't about, hey, like make God your business partner and let him worry about stuff. It's about just in your life. Let God take care of stuff that you're all worried about that you can't control anyway. Just focus on what you can control and don't worry about all this other stuff. God's going to worry about that and you, you can trust that God has a great plan. But maybe you're sitting in here, you're watching online and you just don't feel like God has a great plan for your life. Maybe you've been just doing 100% effort by yourself, trying to prove a bunch of things to yourself, God, and everybody else. You don't have to prove anything to God. You don't have to earn his grace. The great thing about gracing and not grinding is gracing is not even something that we earn. It's just something that we lean into and we like, oh, okay, I'll take the grace part. And that starts with us choosing to make Jesus Christ the Lord of our life. It starts with us choosing to do life with him and to partner our life with him, to partner our marriages with him, to partner our families with him, and to pursue doing life God's way. Not just doing business God's way, but doing life God's way. But the first place we have to start is by just letting Jesus be Jesus in our life, letting God be God in our life, and giving him permission to do that. The Bible says that God stands at the door of our heart and he knocks. And he says, hey, I want you to let me in. I want to roll with you, man. I want you to feel rested. I want you to feel peace, but you got to want it. You got to want it too. So maybe right now in your life, you're just at that place where you're saying to yourself, man, I'm just ready to give all this stuff over to God and let him, him take care of it because he wants to. Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I'll give you rest. Can you bow your heads with me and close your eyes? And everyone that can hear my voice, whether you're in this room or watching online, um, I want us all to pray this prayer, so just repeat after me. Say, Dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. I accept your grace. From this day forward, I give you every part of my life. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Can we go those people that made that decision for the first time a big hand, Elevate Life? Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe to our channel to be notified of our latest episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. That way, you know when a new episode has been uploaded. Also, if this message has impacted you and you want to contribute to help us reach more people, visit elevate.live forward slash give. We look forward to seeing you here next time.